doing that, I was face to face with it. It was holding me by my throat. And it felt like it was sucking something out of me. I probably should have been more scared than I was when I witnessed the exorcism. I turned and looked on my right side. When I did, there's, there's a beam on the side of the tree, a large beam. It's looking at me and I'm looking at it. After I hit the lock button and looked back up, I saw red eyes staring back at me. That they're going to show multiple gods all over the earth, be able to speak in people's languages, and at that point, it kind of converge into this one entity, which will be revealed as extraterrestrial. You'll realize that aliens are the gods of old, and at that point, it'll like religion out of the context of humanity. No, it couldn't have been a person. I know that. I know that people can't run through the woods like that. So this thing comes into view, and I see it. It's 50 yards away from me. It's walking. It's walking on two legs. It's huge. This is a big, hairy-looking being. Welcome. I'm your host. And this is uncomfortable. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. I am your host, Eric Salagi. This show will be airing January 10th of the new year, and I want to make sure that everyone is aware that we have launched the Uncomfortable Podcast Discord server. It went live on the 1st, and so far, there's been a lot of activity in there. If you're interested in joining the Discord, please find the link in the show notes for this episode. In there, you'll find four rooms at the present, the first one being Base Camp, which is introductions and general conversation. Then we have the Fun House, which is designed for funny memes, jokes, or anything on top of, of course, that you think is humorous and you want to share with the members. Please do it there. Then we have the podcast discussion, which is just that. If you have a favorite episode, guest, or topic that you would like to discuss, that's the place for that. Then we have the evidence room, which is where you can post pictures or audio or anything that you feel that might be something of interest to the rest of the members to get their opinions. I want to state, I encourage everyone to please remain respectful. I do not want this to turn into what I've seen some Bigfoot Facebook groups turn into because quite honestly, many of them are a terrible, toxic, hellish place. Also, big news from Manscaped as they will be launching a new line of products for a new body part on January 17th. If you'd like to continue to help support Uncomfortable, get ready to get your orders in and make sure that you use the code UNCOMFORTABLE22 for 20% off and free shipping. Again, that line is debuting on the January 17th episode. If you've had an uncomfortable experience and you'd like to have it featured on the show, please get a hold of me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both at uncomfortablepodcast65. Most importantly, please share the show with others and make sure you leave us a five-star rating or review where you can. Those are the main ways that you can help in getting the show out in front of more people. And with that, the more people listening, 
means more great guests like tonight's coming forward with their experiences. I'm excited to get back on track with this topic for tonight's show, and that is the topic of Bigfoot. Not only that, but Bigfoot in my home away from home, the state of Michigan. Tonight's guest comes to me highly recommended by a friend of the show, Mr. Gabe Heiss. Let's get into it. Give a warm, uncomfortable welcome to Todd Mason. Todd, welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric, for having me. Thank you for being with us. Todd, I'm excited to get back to the topic of Bigfoot. Um, I'm no stranger to paranormal or the other strange stuff, but uh, like I said in the opening recently, it seems to have kind of monopolized several of the shows and quite honestly uh it's taken a bit out of me uh, i don't profess myself as being somebody that has uh gifts or anything like that but uh the number of people that have reached out to me with problems uh, facing them from from some darker darker type experiences uh seems to have taken a lot out of me. So I'm really excited to get back to Bigfoot and uh, especially as close to home as you are there in, uh, you're what, just a little east of the Ann Arbor area, if I believe, if I'm looking yeah, at the map in my 20, head. 20 minutes east of Ann Arbor. All right. Or west of Ann Arbor, west of Ann Arbor. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. So you're kind of in the triangle between Lansing, Ann Arbor, and... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So... I, I wasn't quite sure. Uh, we started started talking before I hit record, and I wasn't quite sure if you were a researcher, experiencer, and you're an experiencer. Yeah, I sure am. I'm, I've been trying to get into some of the research. I've met quite a few people like Gabe, and there's another uh, Linda mm. and Vale. Um, those yeah. people have uh, re- really brought me a long way in the football, in the Bigfoot community. All of those, uh, all of those names, Val Zavala. Um, yeah, yep, Val. And uh, who else did you say, Linda? Uh, Linda Um They were all. Yeah. They were all with me uh, this September, this past September at uh, Bigfoot and Bruce. So that was a that was yep. a great afternoon, yep. a lot of fun. So. Yep. Yeah. So a lot of um, my experiences started in like 2015 moved into a house out in Grass Lake, Michigan, and um, had eight, we had eight acres of land, and it's two acres of grass, and the rest is all woods, hardwoods, deep, dense woods. And uh, we started having experiences when we moved in. Like I was telling you before you, hit the re- before you didn't hit the record button, um, we come home from shopping one day, and there was a, um, a dead rabbit on a 30-gallon metal drum when we came up to that, you know, when we pulled in the driveway and I picked it up and there was no blood in it. It was, so they drained the blood out of it and just left it there for a gift. I assumed. And, and didn't you say that the head was missing? Yeah. The, yeah. The head was, was torn off and 
and you could tell it was torn off in that cut because there was the you know like ripping a pair of pants you get mm-hmm. jagged edges you know yeah it def it was definitely ripped off and uh all the blood was drained out of it so, so that was when our that was our first experience how how quickly did did things kind of start to manifest when when you moved in there i mean was this something um, that was an immediate thing or pretty much yeah cuz we were living there maybe it was getting cold out so we mo- we moved in in may and so by the fall that fall when it started getting cold so october november that's when the rabbit was left on the, on the barrel so and then that following february is when we had confirmation that they were there because we um i went out we we had a burn barrel so we anything you know we we would separate our garbage and i would burn my garbage and i went out to burn and it and it we had like four or five inches of snow on the ground, but it was like 35, 40 degrees. So the snow was melting and I go out to the burn barrel and I, there's these footprints there. They're 17, 18 inches long and there's toe marks in them. Oh, no kidding. And there's two, and there's two sets of them. They were standing around the burn barrel, warming their hands. Cause that probably from the night before from burning. No kidding. And, uh, so I called my wife out there and she's like, I can't walk out there. I don't fall. So I put her on the back of the four wheeler and drove her over there and showed her. And yeah, so they started showing themselves quite regularly to us. Not sh- not actually physically seeing them, but mm-hmm. leaving, leaving stuff. Um, they started leaving. We had this tree that was falling behind the house that they would start. They started leaving rocks on it. And that's kind of when I started getting in contact with Vale. I, I met Vale off of Facebook uh-huh. and he suggested not, not leaving any gifts for them because when you start gifting or he was more or less saying more feeding them, if you feed them and you stop it, they get mad. They'll start right. being destructive. But so I never did offer food. I did offer gems. We, I built a, um, a triangle about a six inch triangle and I mounted it to a tree and I put three gems on it that within a, within a week they took one of the gems and left the other two. They never, they would never touch the other two since I moved out. Was there, were all three of the gems the same color or did it take a specific color? Um, one was a tiger eye. One was a uh, green emerald and the other one I think was like a Jasper and they took the tiger eye. And left the other two. I wonder if there's any significance to that. Yeah, I don't know. And I even tried to, I I had set a trail camera up in the bushes about 20, 30 feet away from it. So I could, you know, hopefully get them on trail camera. But they they um, somehow blocked it and never got them on trail camera. You couldn't tell what, it was just a black picture so they must have put something over it because there was like, you know, there would be a picture of a bird or a squirrel and then there, there, then there would just be a black green and nothing. And then, uh, yeah, one of my, um, one of the really, probably one of the best experiences we had, um, I had, a like I said, I got eight acres. So we had a, I have a 
area that I had cleared out up, I call it up top because you got to go up up this hill, and it's quite a large hill, and then uh, then it levels out. Well, we had I, I turned that kind of into my hunting area, but we also would go up there for fires because it's kind of really spiritual up there, you know. Sure. And we had had um, some friends over from church, and we were up there, and my I have a my one of my sons had come up with us, so there was five of us sitting, and we were my my back and my wife's back and my son's back were facing away away from the fire, and then the other couple was on the other side of us. So, and we didn't get up there until about 10 p.m. And no sooner did we sit down, did acorns start flying in. And it wasn't time for acorns to fall yet. <laughs> so acorns started falling. And we're, you know, I, I knew they were there. I could hear them walking. I could, there was two of them. Did and anybody else recognize the, uh, the sounds of the walking or... Were you just my, kind my of wife, not wanting to scare anybody? Well, I, I had tapped my le- wife on the leg and told her they're here, and she so she started listening. And, and then my son, he heard them, and he he got up and left. <laughs> oh, did he really? Yeah, he went back to the house. Didn't, so want, didn't want any sitting, part of it. <laughs> nope. So we're sitting there, and um, it's about 10 minutes to midnight or so, and the fire's starting to get kind of down, and it's getting dark in the area. And I told the wife I wasn't going to put any more wood on the fire. You know, it probably should go down soon. And 20 seconds after I said that, they had one scream at me. Oh, and no. it was it was the loudest, screechiest. But you could tell it was a, a young, a young, it didn't have the gruffly voice, you know, like the older person or older Sasquatch would have. Yeah. You know, it, you could tell that it was a, a juvenile. It wasn't older. It, it was definitely female. It, it had the female screech. No kidding. And um, so uh, I, can you we, can you give me an idea? I mean, I, I I can't imagine you could replicate it, but I mean, was it a higher pitched? You know, more like a feminine voice, or oh yeah, yeah. Imagine just a um, a girl with a a really good set of lungs screaming at the top of her lungs, and uh, let me tell you, you could feel what I would say the energy coming off of that scream because it just it like a shotgun blast. Yeah, you know how you feel the the wave of the shotgun blast, mm-hmm. kind of like that. It was just so intense. And so loud, and she did it for about thirty seconds. Oh wow! And, That's a and we're like, yeah, and we're like, all right, you know. And this was before I was, I, I, I knew they were there, but it was before I was really start getting investigating in with them. So I didn't have any recording devices or anything going. Yeah, you know. So I, but now I have recording devices set up whenever I go out. <laughs> Do you really? But have you now been, the, you have know, you been fortunate enough to catch any uh, audio? No, I haven't. No, no and we, we're, I actually just recently moved, but only two miles from where I'm at. And there's a family over here. As a matter of fact, um, where I'm now just across the lake from where Val had his sighting. 
a couple oh, no years kidding. ago. Yeah. So they're over here too, but it's a different, I, I call them clans or family units. Right. It's, it's a different family unit over here than the family unit over there. Wow. That's, that's so coincidental that that would have been, uh, the same area that Val had his. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, Val was the so first, had, first one that I had ever talked to who had actually seen one that was, oh, okay. sus, that was suspended in a tree. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was really cool. My daughter, um, we, at the time, uh, we had my daughter, my son, my wife's daughter and her husband living with us. And we had four dogs and she had taken buddy out and buddy was a, is a pit bull. Mm -hmm. And she, she was taking him outside and she was, you know, texting her on Facebook or something on her phone when she was outside. And we had a two car garage with a carport on it. And at the time there was nothing underneath the carport. And she said, Buddy started barking behind her. She was facing away from the carport, but she was standing basically right in front of it, but she was facing away from it. And the dog started barking at her, and she's like, why are you barking at me? So she turned around, and there was one underneath the carport. She saw it and, like, yeah, it was, it was Neil. Yep. It was kneel. It was kneel down like a football player kneeling down, one leg up and one leg down. And she said his head was still touching the top of the carport. Holy cow! What, what, was, what were the light conditions when she saw it? It was it was you know ten o'clock at night, so it was dark. Okay, so there was no light. No light was falling on it. She didn't get any kind of detail as far as color of hair um, she, or anything like that. She turned her flashlight on her phone and she said it was a brownish hair. Um, and she, she, she pretty much went into shock. She said she came in the house and we were all, there was me and my wife and I think we had some friends over or something and she collapsed on the floor in the kitchen. Oh wow. She went, she didn't, she wouldn't leave the house for three days. She was, she, and then even still after living there, she won't go outside at night anymore. <laughs> so it was a terrifying experience. For her, yeah, you know, I mean, that's most people's response to uh, something that we don't can't process and don't know, sure, yeah. you know, is fear. Well, every once in a while you get the one-offs that were like, oh, my God, I just stood there in awe and I couldn't believe and I was so happy that, you know, God let me see this thing and it's in all of its yeah. beauty. And it's like, I, you know, I mean, man, I've been filling my pants. I know, I know I would, you know, um, at least the, the first time that it happens, but, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, like the proximity, how, how close was she? I assume she'd had to be pretty close if the light from her less phone, than, less than 10, less than 10 feet. Oh my word. She said it didn't smell. It had no smell to, or no, no bad smell to it. She said. You know, it, that seems that seems to be such a recognizable trait that a lot of people talk about. But when you when you start diving into it, it's it seems to be a lot less than what people actually think that that's that that smell is not as prevalent all the time. Yeah, at least what I've what I've found as far as talking to people. Um, and that makes me wonder 
if that is if if that's something that's actually a a, a stank of a body odor or do they have a control over it is that a yeah you know is that a is that a scent gland is that something that um is that something that uh they they can just release you know i, I don't know that's it, it's such a, it's a strange thing yeah yeah because even when i had that experience up top with the uh with the two and then the one screamed at us we wouldn't have known they were there unless they were walking around moving so they didn't we didn't smell them but here's here's a, another thing too is i have um two dogs i mentioned i had four but two of them are mine and one's a beagle okay and he they he loves they they get along famously great with the bigfoot yeah really <laughs> he there was we so we had chickens you know, at, at any given time, most of the time we had about 20 chickens, yeah. give or take a few because of the, the foxes and the coyotes because we, we let them free range. And, um, they, and they never killed our chickens, but we'd, you know, go out and lock them up at night. Usually when it would got, got dark there, you know, light would be on in the coop and they'd go in and we'd, so we'd go out and lock them up. So there was this one, this one night. And I heard um, a real slight whistle. And my dog heard it, and he was like, boom, he ran right up in the woods. And he was I, he wouldn't come down for nothing. And he was up there for a good 10, 15 minutes, and then he finally came down. No and barking, I will say, no, barking, no, no barking, distress. No, and you know a beagle. Yeah. If a beagle <laughs> doesn't like something, they're going to bay at it. They're going to bark yeah. at it. Nope. And he did come down when he came down, he did have a little bit of an odor to him. Oh, really? But that doesn't say that he didn't roll in a pile of shit while he was up there too, because <laughs> yeah. dogs are known to do that, you know? Sure. Um, but he did, he did, there's this pizza place over in Munich, Michigan, which isn't too far from here where I live. And they had a cement Bigfoot statue in front of their building. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times they have a long wait to, for delivery, so I would just go pick it up, and I'd you know take the dogs for a ride, and they were busy, so I had to park over in front of the Bigfoot. And man, you should have seen! I wish I would have videotaped it. The excitement and the pleasure that he had when he seen that Bigfoot was just amazing. No kidding. Yeah, it's it was just I I was shocked at how excited he was to see that, and he when he gets excited he does this little bark and wolf type like a little kind of a bark wolf bay thing at the same time. Yeah, and he started doing that. He was so excited so to he, see that thing. He recognized it. Oh yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah, and you know you hear I I, I have listened to stories, you know YouTube stories and. You hear where, um, you know, like this old lady was living with, she had two big dogs and they were barking all the time and she went out in the morning and it, they were dead. Yeah, you well, know, primarily when you hear about dogs encountering these things, it's never, it never really is a, a good outcome for the dogs. And, no. <clears throat> you know, here's my thing with, 
listening to, oh my God, I can't even imagine how many hours of Bigfoot uh, eyewitnesses on, on different podcasts and um, documentaries and, and stuff like that, that I've, I've logged in the years that I've been interested in this, which has been my mm-hmm. whole life. Um, it's got to be like astronomical if I could have those hours back. Um, but yeah, you know, you have, it's funny because you have people that you talk to that are much like yourself who, um, yeah, your daughter had a, a terrifying experience, you know, scared the hell out of her. Um, you haven't really been that, that terrified of it it's just been no odd weird unusual um but then you you know you you hear these other people that like i I referenced earlier you know they think it's this uh like almost spiritual experience that you know they got to see something that very few very few people can are extremely thankful for being able to do it and Mm -hmm. then you then you hear the ones that are just absolutely terrifying you know like they were written by a horror movie uh yeah you know um and i don't you know are there are there that vast different types of experiences are are some of them making it up you know i'm sure there's some people making it up not all the stories are real but i think a large percentage of the stories are real Especially mm-hmm. the ones that don't want their real names out. They don't want it. They they're not trying to make a dollar off of it. They're they're just like what I told you earlier before we started recording. The family that is in episode two and three from opening yeah. day. They just wanted to talk about it and be able yep. to talk about it in a in a in a safe environment where somebody wasn't going to pick apart every piece of their story, roll their eyes at them. Tell them they were nuts, you know. Yeah. Well, you, well, you know, this is here's one thing I do. I have probably about five or six, maybe seven Bigfoot T-shirts now, uh-huh. and I I try to wear them when I go out in public, and I try <laughs> to make sure that people see them. I do the same thing. And, <laughs> and I can't tell you how many people have said, "Hey, I like your T-shirt," and I go, "Hey, do you believe in them?" And I start a conversation with them about it, you know, yeah. because. I try to make people aware that they're real. They're here. They're not here for us. You know, they coincide with us for how many hundreds of thousands of years, probably. Yeah, it sure seems like uh, they've been around. I mean, you know, I I always go back to the Native American, the First Nations, yeah, the, you know. The Native Americans um, over in Europe, they have them in the caves. Yeah. You know, so... Uh, it's not something new. It's not something that just started, you know, with the advent of the, no. the Patterson Gimlin film. I, I don't believe yeah. they were, I don't believe that in the, you know, I don't believe they were dropped off by UFOs. Um, I don't think they're the alien watchdogs or anything like that. Um, you know, there is some aspect of the woo that, that really does, um, really does grab my attention. And, and I think to some extent there is something to, what people consider to be the woo and but i don't know what that is and i don't know enough about it and it's too hard to talk about and you sound goofy as hell you know trying to 
trying to make sense of it. So I, I tend to stay away from talking about it too much, mm-hmm. but it is something that really interests me. And I got a feeling a lot of it is just their natural ability and us not being able to understand what they can do. Um, I don't know yeah. that it's necessarily a supernatural aspect to it. I think if you, you know, I've said this before on other shows, we have been so so conditioned and so stripped of uh, what we probably had as far as natural senses, you know, th- yeah. thousands of years ago because we've had walls and windows and doors and roofs around us for so long now that we don't, we don't have to worry about what it's like to sleep by a fire and keep one eye open to make sure that, you know, predators aren't coming into our camp and, you know, making off with our children. So I think, I think we've, we've done it to ourselves with how we decided to civilize ourselves, you know? Um, Yeah. Oh yeah. So I think, you know, had we stayed on the same path of, uh, of, of evolution and, and kind of forwent the, um, the modernization of humanity. I think we probably yeah. would have very similar capabilities, um, and our senses would be much more heightened. And I think there's still some people nowadays that actually have the remnants of those abilities, you know? Oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. Interesting stuff. So what, what other kind of things? So you said the property that you had your, your first group of experiences on, you left that, but you moved only a couple of miles away. There's, uh-huh. there's another family unit in that area. And, and what kind of stuff are you experiencing with, with that group? Um, same thing actually happened in the, at, at both places with there. We both had pear trees. And uh, the first place on, on that I lived, the ironic thing about it was, is it's going back to the trail camera. I have a trail camera. It's made by um, Wild Game Innovations. Okay. It's called the it's called the Wild Game Innovation 360. So it's supposed to take a picture 300. It's got one little blind spot. So, but it can take a picture all the way around. Oh, so I set that trail. The, the the pear tree in the at the first property the lowest branch with a pear on it was about eight or nine feet off the ground so there's no way a deer could get the pears off of the trees so one night or one day I go down go out by the pear tree and I tell you half of the pear trees on the tree are gone from the bottom to the top just half of them. So I went and got my trail camera that I always had up top by my hunting area, and I put it down here by the pear tree. And I guess I thought I had it pointed good, but it every time it it would take a picture. The, the, I had two apple trees and a pear tree. It would take a picture by the apple trees. It would take a picture on the other side of the pear tree. But every time it, it, it the pears were gone the next morning, and there was – no pictures taken of where the um, pear tree was at. How, how they how they managed it, I don't know. Huh. But I've I've heard 
a few people say that they have, um, what's the right word, I guess, ultrasonic abilities. Okay. The cast, the push out an ultrasonic vibration or something like that. So if they could do that, they have the ability to stunt a camera from working. Yeah. Yeah, but, I don't. I, so, don't, I don't understand the, you know, the the inability of uh, trail cams. You know, I've I, something that does make sense to me is there are some there are some <clears throat> animals in our natural natural world that can see in the infrared and ultraviolet. Yeah, um, deer see in ultraviolet. You know, so. These trail cams use infrared. Yep, and um, so deer can see that. You know, there's tons of pictures of deer staring right at the camera. You know. Oh yeah. So if if I've I've even got pictures of them walking so close that their eyeballs right up next to the camera. Yeah. So because you're looking at it. So <laughs> if they if they recognize uh, if they're able to recognize the infrared spectrum and can see yeah. the light coming off of it, um, you know. And somebody made the the comment to me. It's like if I came into your house and I took a small picture about the size of a um, you know a good size phone and I hung it in your house, how long do you think it would take for you to recognize that that didn't belong there? And you know, yeah. Well, you know, you see your stuff every day, and yep. you would pick that out rather quickly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, essentially when you're out in the woods, you're in their home, you know, especially oh, if yeah. you're in the area that they're, they're residing in, you know, yeah. so they may be able to pick those out very quickly just by recognizing that it wasn't there before and it doesn't belong there. Um, yep. Then you have the, the different smells, you know, which could either be the human scent that's on them. The plastics that they're made out of, made of, yeah. The sound and of all, the sound of the uh, inter- camera, the camera, yeah. The, the internal components of it, you know, yeah. Um, possibly the the discharge of energy from the battery uh, when when the pictures are being taken, you know. There's a number of things that could possibly be alerting them to the presence of these things, and you know, I, I just I can't wrap my head around the fact that they would have any knowledge of what it is, you know, that it's actually taking an image of them. Um, I, I can't imagine that that is something that they're aware of, you know, that, that just seems unreasonable. Um, but why they avoid them so much, I don't know. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe it is strictly on the, on the idea of the, the light that's generated by them. You know, maybe that's that's enough of a deterrent for them because, you know, we have, I've talked to other people that, you know, uh, the gentleman that was in my episode two and three uh, put security cameras all the way around his house and I believe uh, lighting as well. And the, the activity around there has stopped. I've talked to other people who have put up lights and cameras and mm-hmm. it seems to it seems to stall or at least um, retard the amount of activity that they're having on the on the properties, and it makes me wonder if it is something to do with wanting to remain out of that light. You know, yeah. they may not recognize 
that if if their if their vision is truly picking up on infrared light, they may not realize that it's not casting an actual light. They see it as a bright object, so they may yeah. think that if they walk into it, it's going to illuminate them. Um, but it, it in all actuality, it's only illuminating it for the photograph to be taken. It's not creating actual light. So yeah, I don't know that that that's the only thing that really kind of makes much sense to me. All the rest of it is kind of like how would they be aware of what this thing does to avoid having a picture taken of them? That that yeah, just you know, I mean, unless yeah, it, unless they're you know getting back to the woo stuff again, <laughs> unless they're uh, way more intelligent than than what we know. But I, I kind of, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not taking away from the fact that they're very intelligent creatures, but I, I just don't think it's that. Support for Uncomfortable is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Their products are precision engineered tools for those sensitive areas. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code uncomfortable22 at manscaped.com. As I've said previously, I started using Manscaped products about three years ago with the Lawnmower 2.0. So with the delivery of the Performance Package 4.0, it has been a welcomed upgrade. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0, this trimmer is the future of men's personal grooming. Their fourth generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blades to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has an LED light for those dark and scary areas. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. And let's say you want to take your grooming game to the next level. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate ear and nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say, fellas, your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNCOMFORTABLE22. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code UNCOMFORTABLE22. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. So what other what other kind of stuff you got? Um, so at at the other house, one time me and my wife um, we take the dogs out over by the pear tree, and it was a hill valley type thing, and you know we throw the frisbees for them with them and stuff, and we're sitting on the side of the hill and talking and stuff, and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye I see this big black object flying through the air, and then it broke off a branch on a piece of a tree, and then it it landed on the ground and it had a good size stud. It was a rock and it was about, it was bigger than a softball. 
Oh, no kidding. And it, it was probably a good 25, 30 yards away from me where it landed. So it wasn't like they were throwing it at us there. I think they were just trying to tell us we, they were there. Yeah. That, so the, a few minutes, the rock throwing thing, that that's a, that's a concerning trait. You know, I mean, see, it, I've heard, I've heard bad things and I've actually have only heard bad things about it. Well, you, Where, know, I, you know, rock, Oh, I, go ahead. I, I just talked to a gentleman um, down from uh, Southern Indiana uh, fairly recently, and uh, he does a lot of catfishing on a river that's like right between the, the end of Indiana and beginning of Kentucky. And, uh, you know, he had, he had stones um, for the most part, stones and pebbles being rained down on them during a, a, a night of catfishing with him and his buddy. And then, yeah. and then, you know, some very large splooshes, um, from much larger rocks as well. Um, but he's like, you know, where we were at and, and how close they were coming to us, he's like, but we never got hit, you know? So yeah. there, there's something to, you know, it, they must be incredibly accurate. And, you know, you think, well, how could something be that accurate that it's, you know, well, if they use stones as a weapon you know, in, in hunting or, you know, taking out yeah. small game like squirrel or, you know, possum or, or anything like that. If that, if that's one of your main modes of taking out uh, a food source, mm -hmm. you, you may be getting pretty, pretty accurate with it, you know, yep. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, that's, that's crazy. How close were these rocks coming to you? Well, yeah, like I said, they're about 20 yards away from us. So we, and it was only the one, it was only just one big one. Like I said, like I said, and, um, so we got up and we were going into the house and we stopped, I was, had a wood project going on in the garage. So I was talking to my wife about it and then we started to go into the house and the, between the garage and the house is about 20 feet. And just as I hit the corner of the garage, another rock come flying across and landed right, right next to me. It was, and it was only about the size of a, you know, just a small rock, just a little bit bigger than a quarter. But it, so we sat there and talked to him for a minute. I never got any vocalizations back or anything, but, you know, I never felt any danger or anything. Can I just I, felt can, that they were. Can I ask? Oh, what go the, ahead. What's that conversation like? What are you, what are you saying? We'll just say, hi, how are you? Um, you know, do you, do you ever want to come out and meet us and, and spend some time with us or what can we do to help you out? Anything, you know, we just try to talk nice and calm yeah. with them. It, 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 how does your wife react with all this? Oh, she, she, she knows you're there. She's okay with it. So, that, uh, yeah, oh, go ahead. That, no, it's just the, the polar opposites of, you know, how you guys respond versus how other people that I've talked to and, and have heard, Oh, really? you know, it's just, I mean, it's just a different, you guys must be having a, a, a getting a different vibe, you know, from, we got nothing but friendly, friendly vibes from them, you know, I mean, other than being screamed at us, they never did threw rocks at the house or hit the house one time. It was about midnight. I was sitting in my chair in the living room, and I was 
the wife was sleeping in the chair and something started pounding on the door and it hit the door hard enough where the door popped open. Oh, wow. So, and then when I went outside, my beagle's hair was standing up like a razor, you know, how some dogs or hair will go up. Well, that was the only time that we ever felt any not happy vibes, I guess you could say. (laughs) So, like there, there there were, there was a time, um, I had a raccoon that was getting in my chicken coop and killing my chickens. So I killed it. Well, I didn't want my dogs to try to tear it up. So I took it up and I threw it on the far side of my property, which is old rock quarry. Right. Yeah. And it, the, it, the hill probably about 60 feet down. Well, I went up hunting one night and I had built the tree house. Uh, it's 12 by 14 platform. And as I was coming in and I'm walking on my path and you know, it was dark and I had my flash headlight flashlight on and I, and I'm, and I tend to walk with my head down, but I just happened to pick my head up and I seen something white in this little tree right next to the path. It was a, the entire skeleton of a raccoon. Was there, there was no, there was no meat on the bones or anything. Was it, it, was all was it bleached like it may have been there from a season before or you, you're thinking? No, it that couldn't it, have been there from, it, it, I would have seen it. Oh, okay. I, I spent, I, I, I spent, uh, you know, I, I, when that year when I was hunting, I hunted just about every day cause I'm, yeah. I'm disabled. I don't work. So I would have seen it. So they got it. They put it up there between the time I was, I went up there and started hunting and came down. Yeah. They were, they, they snuck it in that tree and it was about probably about 40 yards away from where I was sitting. You know, it's funny you bring up the, um, going back just a little bit, bringing up the, um, pounding on the door. Um, mm-hmm. my son and a lady friend had rented a Airbnb cabin in the, in the Manistee forest. Um, about a year ago, pretty close to, I think, I think it might've been mid-November a year ago. And they had had uh, a number of things going on throughout the night, the first night that they were there. This was very close to Tippy Dam. And, yep, yep. Uh, I used to fish up there. Yeah, so um, she's looking out the window. She's seeing eye shine from across the, across all the property, the road that, is in front of them and then into the property on the other side of the road. She see an eye shine. They're having, um, some weirdness with the, uh, the porch light keeps coming on and off by itself. Um, my son calls me and I'm like this, obviously it's a motion detector. It wasn't a motion detector light. Um, every time the light would come on, my phone call with my son would get really um, robotic sounding and tinny. And then, oh. we'd, and then we'd oh, drop wow. the call and then it'd be a few minutes and he'd call me back and then the light was out and we could talk for a while. And then he's like, Oh shit, the light's on again. And then his voice would get real tinny and robotic sounding. And then we'd lose a call. We did this for hours. It, I think our first, wow. his, his first phone call to me was like at eight thirty, and it went on till midnight. 
and he's just like, screw it. We're going to bed. Um, you know, we locked everything up and, but the next morning at like six in the morning, they're upstairs in the loft. It was a small a frame. They're upstairs Mm -hmm. in the, in the loft sleeping and something's banging on the front door. So my son comes down the steps, goes to the front door, nothing. And there was no snow yet. Um, I don't even think we had had a hard, uh, a hard frost yet. Um, Mm -hmm. so he, you know, he's looking there's nothing. And he goes back up the steps, gets back up into the loft, sits down on the bed and starts banging on the door again. Only this time it's on the the back door of the A-frame and, uh, no idea, but there was a, like a, a log book in the, um, in the A-frame from like other previous mm-hmm. guests who would just write, you know, we were here at such and such dates and they had a great time, loved the place, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, mm-hmm. In June, June or July, um, a couple had left a message in there that said Bigfoot made its presence known to us. We didn't get to see it, but it was very apparent he was here. And... It was like, oh no, holy crap! <laughs> you know, they took huh? they took a picture with the phone and sent me the page out of it, the excerpt. That's cool. And then they went back even further, and a couple of months before that, uh, there were people that had left a, a paragraph in there about being at the lake and seeing um, seeing several lights that were dancing above the water. So. Oh, wow. I don't know if that was in reference to the lights that people see when they say, you know, Bigfoot's around or if they were like yeah. UFOs. Um, but, yeah, interesting stuff. But the, the banging yeah. on the door is like, you know, I mean, scared the hell out of my son and the and, and the girl, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, and then especially to go out there and, you know, not see anything really out of place. The night before, uh, the first night they got there, they both had dogs, um, both of them on the smaller side. And I think my, my son's is probably like around 50, 55 pounds and hers is even smaller than that. Um, but he said something hit the side of the A-frame and the dogs went ballistic and the whole side of the A-frame shook. Wow. And he was like, that. that's enough. He's like, you know, I'm pretty much done and shutting down right now because, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, the next day they went outside in the daylight, looked to see if they could see any kind of like large rock or anything or a big limb from a tree or something that may have mm-hmm. fallen on it, and there was nothing. So, yeah, and he pounded on the house. He actually, he yeah. actually had taken. <laughs> taking the dogs out to uh to go to the bathroom and he went to the back side he said he forced himself to go to the back side behind the the a-frame up along mm-hmm. the edge of the wood line and he said while he was standing there he saw something uh kind of red reflecting out of the you know deeper into the woods and oh. uh, he's like nope took the dogs back inside the next day he uh-huh. went out the next day he went out and walked back there and found that it was a the old a really old fairing off of a, a snowmobile and it was a reflector plate. So oh. while he was <laughs> he's like Whew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah so we kind of had the same thing happen we happened to a pear tree down here the I've been cutting the grass all summer or fall here because we didn't move here until September. And um, one day the pear trees were there, and the next they were gone. And it it that this pear tree here is three times the size as my pear tree, and there was no pears on the ground, no pears in the tree, just gone. Yeah. Somebody's poaching their poaching your pears. <laughs> yep. That's, and, a, that's, and a, here, that's a lot of fruit, though, isn't it? I mean, oh yeah, they, like they yeah. had been working on that for for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. And my mother in law here, you know, she's this house. They, her husband and his dad built this house in seventy one, so they've lived here all you know since seventy one. And uh, she goes out on the back porch patio or whatever and prays at night, and she's she's been out there plenty of times hearing screams from across the lake. Yeah. What, what are the, what's their reaction to that? I mean, are they, are they scared by it? Are they just like, it's, it's a part, it's a part of living here and this is natural. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess she's growing accustomed to it. You know, she'll tell me, you know, like, She'll tell me when they screamed, and I said, "Oh, that's cool." I wish sometimes I should remember to put a recording out there, mm-hmm. a recorder. What about prints? Are are you finding uh, are you finding footprints on a on a fairly consistent um, basis? I've the the ground at at my at my house my old house was relatively hard. One time we had prints in the ground and not snow was in 2020. I had, my mom had passed away and I had flown out to Arizona to drive home with my dad from Arizona. And when I was out there, my son and daughter were walking my path. Uh, I I put a path all the way around the property. They were on the bottom side over by um, the back corner of the property and there was a set of tracks in it so my son looked up how to make plaster of paris Mm -hmm. so but he what he did wrong was he didn't build a a frame around it so when he put it down it was on a little bit of an incline and it leaked down oh so he said he left it there overnight well during during sometime that night or you know during whatever one was I've got knuckle prints in the ground, three knuckle prints, two uh, um, two sets, two different prints, and they what they did was they flicked all the casting away with their finger. Did they really? Yeah. I wonder. So that was kind of that's weird. That was kind of cool. They, I wonder why they would have done that. Just recognizing yeah, no it as some, recognizing it as something that shouldn't have been there. Yeah. Probably, yeah. They knew they had walked in that area, and they probably walked back in that same area. And I had even gone as far as on part of that path, I had bought some play sand, mm-hmm. and I put play sand down so that I could see whatever was going through there. And they ne- would never make it through that spot, you know. Yeah. They always, they always seem to avoid that area. Oh, and I, I, I wish you would have been able to, uh, to 
to poor cast of the the knuckle prints as well. Yeah, but the the ground was so hard there, it was really no indentation in the ground. It was just kind of the soft layer of the dirt was yeah, moved you. around, so you yeah. so you could tell it was a knuckle print. Wow. So what do you what do you make as far as um, what do you think the 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 number in this this tribe or clan? How many do you think it it's consists of? I I think it's a you know a mom and a dad and a daughter. I think it's the three of them. Have you ever you know I had a I had an episode with a gentleman who was from. I want to say it was Lower Jackson County. Okay. Which is probably south of you, right? Yeah. And it, there were two really interesting things that he said. One was, um, is the Kalamazoo River run through that way? Down down that way, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think he was, I think his property was on the Kalamazoo. And he said um, there was a small stream that would come off of it and go through his property. And, oh, okay. and he would, during the summertime, there would be uh, an inordinate amount of uh, wild garlic that would grow. Oh, yeah. And when he would go and he would cut the grass, um, you know, the couple of times a season, um, just to knock down all the tall weeds. And he said when he would cut down that wild garlic, <clears throat> he would notice that like over the next day or two, all that wild garlic had been picked up and taken off. Oh, wow. And I, and I thought that was really interesting. And I've heard a very few other instances where people have brought up their like of garlic. And hmm. well, they probably know it's good for them. Probably, yeah. <laughs> you know, if they're if they're, well, you look at the Na the First Nation tribes, Native Americans. You yeah, know, they're they're aware of you know, or I don't know about nowadays, but you know, they at, back in the the old days, they they knew the the natural remedies for things. Yeah, but the other thing he said was, in relation to talking about you know how their tracks always seem to be almost in a perfect straight line, you know. Not not, mm -hmm. not straddling like ours is, but almost in a straight line. And he, this is the first time I had ever heard that, and it made so much sense. He said, "I think he's like I've seen the I've seen the adults, I've seen I've seen young adults, you know, but always the adults are um, on the ground." He said, "I think the the young ones for for a good while." are are always in the trees completely abhor yeah. completely arboreal and he said if if you're walking on branches essentially walking a tightrope or you know a, a balance beam for mm -hmm. for the first several years of your life and muscle memory uh, when you get down and you're walking on the ground would not it make sense that you would continue to walk one foot in front of the other you know, in a straight line, just like you've learned over the last several years so. growing yep, up. Yep, exactly. 
has there ever been any, and I guess I bring that up because uh, I'm curious with you, has there ever been, um, have you, have you noticed anything that would lead you to believe that they're spending time in the trees? You know, I mean, we go back to, to Val's experience, um, and he, his, his was a, apparently a full grown adult, uh, judging, yeah. judging from the picture, um, yeah. you know, and it was in a tree. It was hanging off the side of a, a trunk, but it was in a tree. Is there anything yeah. that you've ever noticed that would lead you to believe that they're doing the same thing there? Um, yeah, because like the, with them putting that raccoon skeleton where they put it, mm-hmm. I would have heard them walking. I would have heard them walking because they were only 40 yards away and it was covered in, you know, in leaves and stuff. Yeah. The only areas that were clear was the path. But in order to get into that area, they would have had the, not, they wouldn't have been able to be on the path yeah. to where they put the skeleton. So, and, and there's plenty of pine tree. I mean, there was a crap ton of pine trees and maple trees and oak trees up there that, if if they can maneuver through a tree like rather easily, then yeah, I would believe that because there's, I never heard them, you know? And like I said, the, when they were walking in the woods, when we had the church people friends over, you heard them walking. You heard two sets of footprints walking and they were farther away from us there than it, that would have been from me with the skeleton, you know? You know, when you think about, you know, chimpanzees in, in the trees, you know, and, and smaller uh, primates, you know, they, mm-hmm. they swing, they, they jump, they, you know, they're, they're doing all kinds of stuff. It's really graceful. And, you know, they're completely at home in the trees. And when you think about, you know, uh, a juvenile, um, I guess you'd go anywhere from a, a baby to a, a toddler, um, if they are in the trees, it would make sense that they could move around pretty easily. But, oh, yeah. But when I saw Val's picture, you know, in the size of that, and when you... Yeah, that was when, a big one. And when you start hearing the descriptions from other people who lay eyes on these things about their enormous size... You know, mm-hmm. even even your daughter's uh, depiction of you know what she saw kneeling down and still head scraping the top of the carport. Yeah, uh, you know, imagine the the weight and the that they have, yeah, and the size for them to be able to maneuver in the trees is well, is confounding to if, me. If you think about it, granted, we're you know ninety eight percent like a chimpanzee. But they have a different they have a different muscular system than we do, which makes them like five to ten times stronger than us. Yeah, I think you could probably even increase that a little bit more. So, so if they have that much strength, and if the Sasquatch is a you know cross between us and them, then I could imagine they've got quite a bit of strength. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? What do you think they are? I think they're an off species of hominids of us just something that you know they're evolved in a parallel to us pretty much yeah and for some some unknown reason they've been able to hide their skeletons rather well and everything else they do you know but 
just like a bear, do you ever find a bear skeleton in the woods or a cougar skeleton? Right. You know, uh, you never, you, know, those, you never. Those arguments are made all the time. It's like, oh, has yeah. there ever been? Well, you know, it wouldn't. You know, I I hunted for a while. I, I haven't. I didn't hunt my whole life, uh, but I hunted for a while, and I spent a decent amount of time in the woods. I I never found any bones of anything. I you know I was trying to find uh, antlers. You know, after uh, they'd shed them, and I've never found any of those. You know, and now I've got antlers get eaten by the animals. Yeah. So, so why wouldn't bones? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I, I've left a I left a pair of antlers in my garage. You know, for rat, the rattling antlers. Yeah. They're they're real antlers, you know, and over the winter the mice that chewed chewed them down. Oh, did they really? From an eight, for, oh yeah, yeah. The, the mice and the, um, I know we don't have porcupines down in this area, but up north the porcupines are prevalent. They'll eat the bones. Hmm. What about structures? You, have you on either one of your properties? Wow. Have you ever found anything that um, was? Well, we had this one spot where there was a tree that had probably three Y's in it. And each set of the Y's had two, brand, two, I guess, trees in it that were stripped of all their side branches. And they're, you know, they're 30, 40 feet long. So they were like a triangle. And then there was a small maple next to it. And this didn't happen until about a year or two before we left. So about probably about 2020, where they put three little small tr- tree saplings or whatever into that little maple tree. What it symbolized, I have no idea. But some of the other things that they that they did were um, where I put my platform up for hunting, about 10 yards behind it, there's a maple tree about six or seven inches in diameter, about eight or nine feet up. It was snapped off. And just, you know, the top, the top part of the tree, you know, just fell to the ground. Yeah. But... It, you could see it was snapped. It, there was no swaying in the wind, and then it broke because usually when that happens, you get large, long splinters going up the tree. You know. Yeah. This was this was just snapped, and you know how you know maple trees are hard wood. Yeah. So it takes a you know quite a bit of strength to be able to do something like that. You know, in the, for a long time, I've always thought you know that um, that theory that they they physically break those trees for for whatever purpose as a um you know as some some sort of a uh, a signpost you know um yeah but i wonder you know like when you start getting to those bigger diameters of trees you know that that seems like that would take a ridiculous amount of strength to do that you know oh and, yeah and but then i start thinking it's like what if those bigger trees, what if they're actually using those to travel? And, and they're the weight that I was talking about, you know, they're, they're, oh, yeah. they're adult size. I wonder if every once in a while they, they pick a tree and it, it, it buckles under the. Yeah. The, but like I said, if, a, if a, I, I, try doing this when you go out in the woods next time, sometime, if you break a tree, especially a live tree, it's not going to break straight across. It's not. It's 
it's gonna it's gonna be you're gonna have splinters all right. up and down yeah. in there. It's not gonna break evenly. Yeah. And and if like and if like you're saying, if you put 900 pounds up in a tree, it's gonna splinter when it comes down. This was just snapped. Yeah. And I've seen that quite a bit since I've been out searching and on the other side of the lake where Val had his sighting, there's, there's a quite a, not, maybe three or four maple trees over there that are, that are like that. And that's a very well-known area for people to see them is yeah. right over there. And you know, if it was, if it was snow load, if it was, um, you know, high winds, uh, come down in a storm, but these trees have a lot of other trees around them, right? Exactly. You know, so and, why wouldn't that and, snow and, load do something to the surrounding trees? Yeah. It's interesting stuff, man. It's just, you know, you, you talk to people. I talk to people, a lot of people, and, you know, you have nothing to gain by this. By, no, by no, saying no. this stuff. I mean, it's not, you know, no. you, and why would people talk about it? Why would they, why would they decide to, yeah, I'm going to tell people I saw a Bigfoot or I've had a big, Bigfoot experiences. I mean, you didn't reach out to me to be on my podcast. I literally went to somebody who is knowledgeable in the, in the field of Bigfoot in the state of Michigan, looking for, mm-hmm. for some legitimate people to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, excuse me. I've, um, me and my wife are both very easygoing. Um, I'm, I'm open about it. I'm not afraid to talk about it. You know, it's, it happened, stuff has happened and I hope more stuff happens. I hope I see one. I hope I meet some. Have you ever considered having, and I'm not suggesting that you do, but I, just out of curiosity, have you ever considered having people come to your property and, and do, you know, like proper investigations? Um, well, I've had um, Gabe and Linda out. And the one, this just this last year, this last summer, um, when we were there, we didn't, I think we got some screams off in the distance, but we couldn't tell if they were coyote or whatever they were. Yeah. Um, I've had Val and um, I think is the other guy's name was Ernie that came out and investigated. They never found it really anything, yeah. you know, other what I have shown them and stuff. So that that's about it. Um, you know, when COVID hit, so it kind of there. I was supposed to have this guy named Bob Daigle was sure. supposed to come out, yeah. and he never made it out because he was older and he was afraid of the COVID. Yeah. So. And I don't know that I would suggest that it's something people should do. I mean, if if whoever's listening, if you're having experiences, you know, I've I've talked to people that you know seem to think or have experienced that some some negative reactions to having people come out onto the property. You know, yeah, they, they tend to get used to you, and and they tolerate and. Uh, pretty much concede to share that property with you. But if mm-hmm. you have other people that are coming out that they don't recognize, they don't scent, they don't know the scent and <laughs> you know, they're out monkeying around and that's a bad term, but well, that's, you know, that's why we thought environment. That's why we thought we got screamed at that one night because we had a, 
couple of people that weren't ever, that had never been there before. Yeah. And so that's what me and my wife were talking about is maybe they screamed because they were, we had them out here. Huh. Now, while you guys were sitting at the fire and you, you recognized that you had um, movement around, around the campfire and then eventually got screamed at what that other couple that was with you, what, what was their perception of what was going on? Oh, it was, it was actually kind of funny because they were a bit oblivious that they were there because it was during the, um, the election with Trump and, uh, Biden. Yeah. And he was for Trump and she was for Biden. So they're sitting there arguing about it <laughs> and they're walking around throw, throwing acorns or landing acorns hit us. You know, they were throwing acorns at us all night and they were just oblivious to it. And that's, like I said, that's why my son got up and he went down back to the house because he was tired of getting acorns hit, hit him. <laughs> and yeah, they were just oblivious to it. But once they screamed, they're like, okay, we can go now. <laughs> oh, that was, that was it for him, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of funny. We just grabbed our chairs and left. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think I left my mine and my wife's chair up to, at the fire pit. Anything else uh, worth worth mentioning? Um, I think that's most mostly it. I'm sure I probably forgot a couple things, but you know. Well, I I really appreciate you taking the time to do this with me. Um, yeah, no problem. It, it was it was a good conversation, and uh, it's it's just you know. Having, you know, I explained before we started recording, I've lived in, you know, southern Michigan and very, very northern Indiana uh, my entire life. And, mm -hmm. you know, this has been a huge topic of interest for me for a long, long time. And to, you know, in the last seven, eight years to to realize the the vast number of. Uh, people who have experienced and seen these things in this part of the in this part of the state um, it's it's strange because you know I mean I think I think many of us uh, at, at one point in our life you know thought these things if they are real uh, they're relegated to the Pacific Northwest or you know down in Florida in the Everglades um, yeah but to to come to the realization that these things are throughout, you know, literally every state in the, in the U S. Um, mm -hmm. and yeah, I just, I just seen a map of where all the sightings were are in the U S and Canada. Uh -huh. And it just seems like the plains out West are the only places they don't live. I know. Isn't that strange? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's strange. All right, sir. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. It was fun talking with you, and mm -hmm. uh, please keep me in mind if you uh, if you have any new good experiences. Uh, please, yeah, sure I, I'd like you to let me know. Yep. All right, sir. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, guys. That's it for this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed tonight's experiences with. Todd Mason. If you did, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you can and share the show. Share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with coworkers. The more listeners make for more experiencers. 
And if you've had an experience or have a story that you'd like to have shared on Uncomfortable, please reach out to me at contact.uncomfortable at gmail.com or message me on Instagram or Facebook, both at Uncomfortable65. Until next time, my friends, stay uncomfortable.